The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Uh, no surprise to hear where we're going to start. Uh, it is the issue that is first and foremost in people's minds, I think, uh, today up and down this country, the passing of Vicky Phelan. Orla O'Connor is with me. Orla's director of the National Women's Council. Orla, before we talk about legacies or anything else, I'm sure you, like everybody who I've spoken to today, would like to express your sympathies to Vicky's family. Oh, absolutely. I think it's such, really such a sad day and such an enormous loss. So absolutely sincere sympathy to her family and friends. And I think to all of those who campaigned with Vicky in the 221 Plus group. Um, yeah, an, an incredible loss today. Very sad, I think. Quite a few people throughout the show making the point, Orla, that uh, Vicky represented... Uh, more than just a, a cervical check scandal. She represented a shift in attitudes to women and women's health in this country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we owe Vicky so much in terms of what what she did. I mean, from the moment she stood outside the court uh, and where she, you know, she, she really gave her precious time to continuously to campaign. But also, I think she really connected with people, you know, in so many different ways. And, you know, she she was such an ardent campaigner, but also such a lovely person in terms of how she connected with people and how much I think what she did and what she spoke about resonated with people. You know, I really remember... Um, when Vicky was working with the Women's Council in, in, in a piece that we did with young women and she was saying to them, you know, well, I'm, you know, I am a leader, but I'm an ordinary person. And we were saying, oh, you're not, you're absolutely extraordinary. But she just had had, had a brilliant way, I think, of, of reaching people and just continuously, continuously campaigned mm-hmm. and continuously asked the questions that were that needed to be asked. Uh, uh, that That humility is probably one of the reasons people identified with her so much or liked her uh, so much I mean this kind of sounds like a strange question to ask on a radio show but I'm going to ask it because I suspect it's a question people ask you when you say you met her and you did work with her what was she like Mm. as a person? Oh she was she was so funny like she was really humorous um, and and, and was just always so willing to, to help. And I mean, right from, you know, back the, the first time, I suppose, I, I was in contact with Vicky after um, the court case, was she offered straight away to, to support in terms of repeal. And she want, she knew that people were listening to her and she wanted to say something about in the referendum, which she so graciously did. And we were so grateful for. So she was, you know, she was always putting others and other issues first. Um, and very clearly, that's what she did when she when she went public. Um, and I know for for so many people who've campaigned with Vicky, that's exactly their experience of her. And I think that's why you know she was so loved. And I think that that's a point worth dwelling on for a moment: the fact that she went public, because you know we we might not know Vicky Phelan's name or the names of you know Irene Teep or Emma McMahuna or or all those other names, all those women involved or their. Their, their families now involved with the 221 group had Vicky Phelan not turned around effectively to the state and said you know what stuff your non-disclosure agreement Absolutely and to you know in in the position that she was in where she was so unwell and the devastation to her family so I mean to use the word courage just doesn't seem enough but she was like absolutely so courageous to do that and, and, and was a real I suppose 
sign of herself because she wanted to make sure that a you know that this wouldn't happen to other women she wanted the support for the women that had happened to and if she hadn't exposed it the way Todd we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now so we have so much to thank her for yeah and in terms of legacy as well I know we spoke to Gabriel Scally earlier and in a couple of weeks he's publishing right. a, a new report uh, you know, on, on, on cervical check and where we are in terms of reform. And he didn't want to presage anything that's going to be in that report. But he did say and he did tell us that cervical check is more robust now. It is more reliable now and people have more confidence in it now. And I mean, the consequence of that, of a more reliable and robust system is that it will save more lives. It's hard to think of a more positive legacy than that, literally saving yes. lives. Yes, yes. Yes, you're right. And also, in addition to, to the cervical check, because of all the work that Vicky did and, and with uh, Gabriel Scali in terms of the Scali report, because it became something so much bigger in terms of women's health. So like the work that's happening now around a women's health action plan that we never had before, that came as a result of the Scali report, as a result of, of Vicky taking the stand that she did. Yeah, well, uh, listen, uh, after the publication of the, the, the first aspect of that report in autumn 2018, Vicky was on this show. She was in this studio the day after uh, that publication, uh, speaking about the report and about her own experience and about some of the concerns she had. Take a little listen. You know, I have always advocated screening from the very get-go when this came out, even though what happened to me was awful. I still don't want to see women getting cervical cancer. And I have a 13-year-old daughter who actually will be, you know, eligible for the HPV vaccine next year. So it's in my best interest to have a screening programme that we can trust. So what he has recommended to me will help to allay some of the fears that people have about the screening programme and build the trust. And I know there are people and, and there are some women, you know, within the group who will not be happy with this because they're angry and I don't blame them. I really don't. I mean, you know, at the very beginning, I was exactly the same. You know, I was looking for accountability and I suppose I got some of it with Tony O'Brien stepping aside and Ronya Flannelly stepping down. But for me, when I got this report yesterday and... I read about the absolute, you know, omni-shambles that the cervical check was really. And, you know, Scully said it himself, they were doomed to fail. You know what I mean? That it was going to happen at some stage. This bit, and he did actually kind of prepare me for it because um, he wasn't sure actually that, uh, you know, when we were there, the three of us yesterday, myself and Stephen Teep and Lorraine Walsh, Gabriel knew that one of the, the lab that I sued was CPL, but he didn't know that one of Lorraine Walsh's smears went to CPL the same year mine went. And one of Stephen's wife's smears went to CPL in 2010. There was three of us yesterday in that room. And were you aware of the subcontracting to Honolulu? Not at all. This was total news to us. And, uh, you know, we, we were sitting there, we were gobsmacked. You know, we, 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 we said to him, how did you find this out, you know? And he said, well, this is the reason for the delay with my report. He said, you know, it just came to light when we started looking at uh, the labs. They went to visit these labs. Now, he went to visit the lab in the Coombe and then Karen Denton, who was one of the cytopathologists who he had working with and went to visit the ones in the States with one of the investigators from Crow, where he, he, he was based. And they discovered, because um, actually when I started reading the background to CPL, I said, first thing I said before we even got into the meat of it, I said, how could they be analysing all these smears with 35 cytopathologists and 10 and he just smirked and he said, read on, Vicky, you know, and uh, that that is what and triggered was, it. Was Kian, your solicitor, shocked about that? Because he went through the whole court process, which involves discovery. Yeah. And that was concealed, was it? 
this was concealed from everybody, Ivan. Cervical check didn't even know this. This is the the, the the issue here is nobody knew that these were being outsourced again once they went to the States. Because I know, and I can talk freely about this because my case is closed, when my smear result came back, and I, I mean, you know, I've looked in all of my documentation and I went through it with a fine tooth comb myself, never mind my solicitor. And on my results that I got back, it clearly said that this smear was analysed in Austin, Texas, not Honolulu, not Las Vegas, not, you know, wherever else they were sent. Yeah, that was Vicky Phelan herself in this very studio four years ago in 2018, uh, speaking the day after uh, the publication of the first aspects of the Scali report. We spoke to Gabriel Scali a little bit earlier uh, on the show about his own memories of uh, Vicky. Uh, Steve Wall is with me now from The Stunning. Vicky was a huge, huge fan of the band and Steve has met her on more than one occasion. Steve, you're very, very welcome to the show as well, um, I'm sure like everybody else we've spoken to today, your thoughts more than anything are with Jim and Amelia and Dara and, and the rest of Vicky's family. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, I'd really like to extend my sympathies to um, Jim, the kids and, and uh, John and Gaby um, and uh, all her great friends and her brothers and sisters. She's fantastic, wonderful posse of people around her, family and friends. They're lovely people. When did you first meet her, Steve? We first met in person in June 2018, and um, a friend of Vicky's had gotten in touch with us. We we didn't know who Vicky was. Um, It was probably maybe six months or a year even prior to that to say that um, she had a very good friend who was ill with uh, cancer and terminal cancer. I think she had mentioned that and that they were hoping to get to a a stunning gig, And, and she described you know, what a huge fan this woman was and going back to um, college gigs in Limerick and places like that back in the 90s. Mm. And uh, she just painted a picture of this fantastic woman and uh, she said, unfortunately, she wasn't going to make it to uh, see our show. And also, you know, she was given a basically a prognosis of, you know, uh, you know, as to how long she would actually be alive, you know. So, um we it, it took a while for us to sort of organise something, but we 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 got back to them and offered to do a gig in her house, you know, if, yeah. if she wasn't able to travel. And um, then um, they uh, d- during that period we became aware of who she was because she hit the news um, in terms of you know when she uh, she went to court, and um, and we realised you know oh, oh this is the woman who you know who was looking for us to do a gig, you know? And um, so we got in touch and we just said, listen, we'll we'll come and play in your house. And <laughs> then she got back to us and she said, um, how about if I organised a slightly bigger venue and invited all my friends and family? <laughs> and uh, and uh, so we did that. She, um, uh, her friends uh, all helped her organise it and they did, we did a show in um, Mooncoin actually in the, the venue where she had her, um, herself and Jim had their wedding reception and we went down there that was June 2018 and we did a private gig for them all and Vicky had just gotten amazing news that morning um, that the, the drug she had been trialling this Pembro um, she got a call while, while she was in the hairdressers getting getting her hair done for the gig um, she got a call from her oncologist saying that there was um, positive results from the scan that the, the tumours had been shrinking as a result of the stroke so she was over the moon and um, so it really led to a fantastic night and uh, you know she spent most of the night on the dance floor and uh, 
it was really wonderful. So that was our first time meeting, yeah. and we met several times after that. And, you know, we texted quite a bit as well, you know, because um, my daughter had missed out on on the HPV vaccine when it was given in school. And uh, then with, you know, everything COVID and COVID vaccines and everything, she was she was quite hesitant about getting another one. And I was really kind of concerned about this just through everything that Vicky and all the other women had gone through. So Vicky was amazing. I mean, she sent me so many texts um, of encouragement and eventually um, my daughter made her own decision to get the HPV vaccine. And, um, and you know, I told Vicky about this as well. So yeah. we were exchanging quite a few texts and she was amazing. I mean, like you'd get big, long texts from her all about, you know, she was just saying she's so happy that um, because of of um, the things that she'd done, that parents and, and, and teenagers were really, um, you know, even if they'd missed out on the HPV vaccine in, in, I think it's first year in school or something, they were actually going and get, getting it, you know. Um, it's it's a, the, like, the unfortunate thing yeah. is when you miss out on it, you have to pay a lot of money to, yeah. get, to get it. But I mean, it doesn't matter because, um, you know, she uh, she just said, look, it's it, it just it's a lifesaver, you know. It's like when you kind of stand back and think about it, Steve, you know, when the rest of us are kind of having existential crises and you wonder, are you leaving the world in any better shape than you inherited? And then you you think of Vicky literally saving lives. Like that's her legacy. People being alive who might not not, not otherwise be. It's It's true, you know. I mean, she laid so much on the line. And also, um, I was following her um, on her posts on Instagram while she was going through all that treatment in America. And it was harrowing. It was like she was so sick from it. And you just, it was just hard to believe how somebody could actually have the will to go through all of that, trialing these new drugs, terrible illnesses, her, you know, her being so far away from her family. And um, and then uh, the news when it came through that it just, it wasn't working, mm. you know, and she basically had to sort of give up and just decide um, she was going to, you know, come home and just not go through all of that again. She couldn't go through any more treatment. And we met her. She came to a gig actually last December. Myself and Joe did an acoustic, a small kind of acoustic show in Lisdoon Varna in the Royal Spa Hotel. And Vicky arrived with 19 of her friends. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a fantastic night. And for us, actually, I think for myself and Joe, it, the highlight of it was just seeing her have a great time that night. We could just hear her laughing and, uh, you know, all with all, all her best friends, you know. So it was, yeah. that was really wonderful. And then we had a lovely chat with her afterwards. Um, our dad was at the gig as well, who's 89 now, and he loved meeting her, you know. So we sat backstage for a while with Vicky and had a great chat. Ah, well, that's listen. That's it's lovely to hear. It's nice to hear those types of stories today as well. When I know so many people listening to the show, people who never met Vicky Phelan uh, and only heard her on the radio or saw her on the television or maybe read her book as well from a few years ago, uh, they'll be upset as well. Uh, so upset at, at her passing, uh, but thankful for that legacy, I guess, as well. Steve, listen, appreciate the time. Thanks a million for speaking to us. Steve Wall uh, from The Stunning. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.